You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I am not joined today by my illustrious co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. For this week, we thought we would re-air an interview that we did with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith back in 2019. Dr. Dalton-Smith talks with us about seven different types of rest that she proposes, uh, how do you determine maybe which one you actually need instead of just defaulting to physical rest, and then how to get that, right? How to how to do things that are actually restorative in whatever particular area maybe you need. And so uh, I know it's an episode that Holly and I both reference a lot, uh, but the interview and uh, Dr. Dr. Dalton Smith's book that we talk about in the episode, I know we've both referenced that quite a lot, so we thought it would be a good one to re-air. And so uh, we hope y'all enjoy this interview with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Hey, welcome back. Today we are so excited to be joined by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is an author, speaker, and board-certified internal medicine physician. She has an active medical practice in Alabama, a couple of degrees on here, has been an adjunct faculty member at a number of colleges and universities teaching courses on health, nutrition, and disease progression. She's also a national and international media resource on the mind-body-spirit connection and a top 100 medical expert in good housekeeping doctor's secrets. She's been featured on many media outlets, all sorts of things, and she is the author of a number of books, the most recent of which we're going to talk about today is called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which has a, a brand new way, at least to me, of thinking about rest, and we're, I'm so excited to have her on, so we're going to get to that. Dr. Dalton-Smith, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Is there anything that our audience should know about you, fun facts or anything like that? Fun facts. Let's see. I have two sons, um, both of who are really involved with sports. And if you're a parent of teens, then you know it's very hard to find rest when you're running around between basketball, football, <laughs> and soccer. So, yeah. so I get it. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess a, a good place to start, I always like when, when we bring people on to talk about things, to ask kind of the most baseline to make sure we're all starting from the same place. So how are you defining rest when you write a whole book about rest, right? I mean, we all kind of have our own ideas, but how are you how are you defining rest? Well, the first thing I personally had to do was to kind of disassociate the concept that rest and sleep are the same thing. Because for me personally, when I got to that point where I really felt burned out and as if I was just completely exhausted every day, the very first thing that came to mind was, oh, I just need more sleep. And so I started, you know, making sure I got the eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And, and you know, it's really distressful when you get to that point of exhaustion and you're sleeping adequately. I mean, you're getting all the hours in, but you still wake up exhausted because it feels yeah. like, well, now what? You know, is there any hope for me if I'm exhausted after all that sleep? And that's when I started doing kind of a deep dive into what really is rest? How do, what things make me feel energized and restored? And that was the transition point for me when I realized that, first of all, sleep and rest are not the same thing. And that when I'm getting more rest in any of the seven areas that I discovered, that it's a res- there's a restorative component to it, that rest should equal restoration in the same areas mm. that I'm pouring out, those same areas where I'm feeling mm. depleted. Yeah. No, that makes sense. 
Well, I know, I know I've gotten to actually, well, I'll say for the both of us, we've had a great opportunity to get to hear you speak kind of in general about this topic in other spaces. But I am really interested in you sharing a bit of your story in terms of like what made you interested in rest as a topic overall in the first place. I've I've heard you talk about it a little bit before and it's a really interesting story. So do you mind sharing that? No, not at all. Uh, really, I burned out. I, was, I had this, um, I'm a physician, so I've always kind of known that my job would be stressful and have a lot of, you know, a lot of time spent outside of my home. But I also had a lot of ambitions with my home life. I wanted to have kids and a marriage and I wanted all of the pieces to be very kind of nightly, nicely placed together so that there is some level of harmony with them. And it got to a point this within my profession where professionally things were excellent. You know, all of the, all of the check boxes were checked off. I'm a bit of a kind of a, type A personality. Um, I, I love to do things and get it done. And I love to have goals and meet goals. But then I got to a point where all of my career goals were met. But when I would pick up my kids from school and I would bring them home, I would be so exhausted. I wouldn't have time for my family. Mm. There was no time to enjoy these kids I prayed for, no time for to really even work on my marriage. So all of those things started to kind of get further and further from what I desired. And I found myself one day picking them up from daycare setting them in front of the TV. And I just laid out on the floor. I was just at the end of myself. And it was such a complete level of burnout that, you know, when I talk to people, they'll say, well, were you depressed? Or were you suicidal? I mean, I didn't have a plan. And I wasn't really thinking I was depressed. I just felt at the end of myself, like there was just nothing else that I could give. And that moment is when I really started, started having kind of a, 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 a real realization that something had to change. As happy as I was with my career, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting satisfied there. And although I had a lot of things, you know, I had the children, I had the marriage, I had all of the possessions that I had asked for, none of that was satisfying me. And so, you know, the rest was so much more than just the restoration of my energy. I actually say it recovered my life because I was at a point where I didn't think life was worth living anymore because I wasn't stopping long enough to really to even appreciate any of the blessings in it. Man, that's such a painful place. Mm. Um, just hearing that and and knowing that it had gotten to that point, but in so many ways, the gift for you to be able to wake up and realize that and to notice that and, and really recognize how, um, that you were at and to be able to make some changes. It sounds like, um, I'm really glad that, well, thank you for sharing all that. I really appreciate it. Well, I find that it's, especially for people who are high achievers, they like the goal. They like to always be on the chase and always kind of going after things in life. It becomes very easy to to focus so much on accomplishing that we don't spend any time enjoying. Mm. And then when we, when we negate the enjoyment of the accomplishment, it just becomes a rat race. You, You never get to a point of satisfaction and it's that satisfaction in the work that really differentiates it and allows it to, to become a type of rest in itself. Yeah. Hmm. Gosh, that's so good. And I I would guess that that story that you're telling there, your story, right, is relatable to a lot of people listening who are either in helping professions. And so they constantly feel like they need to be doing more in ministry or things like that, or they're 
you know, high achievers. They like goals and things like that. But there does seem to be, you know, most people I talk to, it seems like as a society, we don't tend to, to value rest too much or anything like that. And so we just kind of go, go, go at work. And then mm-hmm. we all kind of come to this point where we say, well, but I'm not enjoying anything. What do, what do I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. I think our culture is set up in such a way that it always looks as if we are, it looks, we look, we're looked down on really, if we start talking about rest, you know, and even with myself, that was one of the, the mindset shifts that I had to make that rest isn't laziness, that that rest is actually part of the process of me being my best self for me offering my best to my family and to the people that I serve. But that's not really what our culture shows our culture more shows that if you're resting, then you are not being productive. And it really is the opposite. It's part yeah. of the your highest level of productivity. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I certainly, I mean, you know, Robert had just mentioned, you know, certainly those who are in helping professions and mental health care providers would probably be able to relate to a lot of this. Certainly, I, um, um, I've talked on this show how I, I'm in academia and absolutely <laughs> can fully relate to, uh, to this as well. And I think one of the things that's really important, well, I think I would be curious, like, you know, why is it that that you would see this as being most important in terms of like, how this relates to our overall overall health, our brain function, our relationships, our just paying attention to each of these pieces? Like, can you talk a little bit about how rest is weaves into each of these areas for us? Yes. Uh, Let me start by just kind of mentioning what the seven types of rest are. I think that helps to kind of be able to see how they play into our our lives. Yeah. Okay. Great. The three that most people are already familiar with to some degree are the physical, mental, and spiritual. And then the four that are less common, but that really have a huge effect on how we feel and interact with the world are emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so just looking at the very first three, the physical, mental, and spiritual, you know, we automatically get a sense of when we have a physical rest deficit, you know, that's where the sleep comes into play. That's when you're having the muscle aches and the tense muscles and the headaches and all those things related to physical stress. So I think most of us know when we're experiencing that and we can can tell mentally when our mind is cluttered or when we're not thinking clearly for for in my practice that's when people who are in their 40s show up and say you know I think I have dementia cuz I can't concentrate or I can't you know I, I'm not learning and and really registering things as quick as I have in the past and for most people that's part of a mental rest deficit they're basically their mind is so full that they're not able to concentrate and really be able to to clear their thought processes to think clearly. The spiritual aspect of it, you know, differs for every person based on their spiritual beliefs. But that's when we start feeling that disconnection from the world and from others, because we can't see kind of the bigger picture and how we how we fit into the big scheme of things. So those three tend to be really easy. Now, the ones that are a little bit harder to grasp, but are just as big of a part of how we feel are things like the emotional rest. So emotional rest is the rest that we experience when we're able to be very authentic about who we are, 
We're laying down kind of people-pleasing type tendencies. We are giving truthful no's instead of reluctant yeses when people ask things of us that are beyond our personal boundaries or that are going to extend us beyond what we're capable of giving at the moment. And so for many people, they they are living in these cycles of, of kind of chronic emotional unrest and that they're always having to, they're always feeling as if they're needing to give an answer that others will find acceptable Hmm. or that don't push any personal boundaries. And so then those same people often feel used and abused as if people are taking advantage of their kindness, but the people who are, who they, who are the ones taking advantage don't know what the personal boundaries are Hmm. because that person hasn't erected them in a healthy way so that they understand you know, that they're crossing the line. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's with the emotional, with the social. Social rest is the rest that we experience when we're around other people who are life-giving, who make us feel better when we're in their presence. You know, most of the relationships we have are relationships that are taking from us. And it doesn't mean that's a bad relationship. You know, your kids need things from you. Your spouse needs things from you. Um, If you have a service business, they're needing things from you. And so... As adults, there's a decrease in the number of adult relationship, adult friendships. So many adults don't have kind of that person who they can just hang out with and share what's going on with their life and just have kind of a a girl or guy time together. And so the lack of that means that you're constantly pouring out into relationships, but very few relationships are pouring back into you socially. Hmm. And so you get this sense of being kind of alone in the world because it's if something comes up, who do you call? Who do you talk to? Who can you vent with? Mm. Who's a safe place for you? And so th- that's just a couple of examples. And then, you know, when you have the sensory and the creative, really depending on what your work environments look like, if your work environment is one where there's lots of noise, background noises, um, if you're doing a lot with computers and electronics, bright lights, kind of what are the sounds and the things that are overwhelming your senses and your normal work environment? Are you doing anything to undo what that sensory input is doing to you throughout the day? Mm. You know, if you're working in a noisy environment and you hop in your car and play, you know, a political talk radio on the drive home from work, and then you walk in the door and you, you're all of a sudden not sure why you're so agitated it could be because of a sensory rest overload or mm. sensory overload, I should say. And yeah. you're needing more sensory rest. But because we don't think about the sensory inputs in our day-to-day environment, you may never you may never put two and two together. Gosh, that's good. And then there's one more I think you haven't touched on quite yet. Is that correct? The creative rest? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Creative rest is a really interesting one. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of our environments now that we work in require us to be kind of more innovative and insightful, think outside of the box. And that requires creativity to be able to do that. But we don't realize that that's pouring out in that area. So you're pouring out creative energy. In what ways are you getting creativity poured back into you? You know, some of the interesting studies that I looked at talked about people who, when they're around things like bodies of water, oceans, or in the mountains, or just outside in nature, how they feel better in those settings. 
And, you know, some of the research showed that there there is a population of people, a percentage of people that when they are around bodies of water, that the MRIs of their brains showed that there was actual activity that was happening during those times, different from people who didn't say that they feel better around bodies of water. So it's really interesting to see that that feeling of I feel restored when I'm around these natural, beautiful settings that there, there is something happening inside of us. Oh my gosh. And that's the thing about creative rest. It's not creative work. So it's not taking an art class, you know, or, or doing creative work, painting or doing music, playing piano. It's actually allowing yourself to have creativity awakened inside of you by taking time to appreciate creativity. So you're appreciating the beauty of nature. You're appreciating great artwork at a museum. You're taking some time to stop and listen to some beautiful music or orchestra and letting that awaken something inside of you to bring forth and restore that creative component of yourself. Oh my gosh. I love that. And Mm -hmm. I am totally bringing that to my husband because we go back and forth sometimes about like, I'll tell him, I really need to get like at least once a year to go buy a body of water and just sit and be in front of the water. Like there is something that's so restorative for me. And it's so funny because my husband is like, I don't understand that. Like what, what, I don't get that. So, (laughs) So I love that you just, I don't know. Plus the researcher in me loves hearing about any kind of studies that are, you know, so that's good. Yeah. And I was going to say, what what I love about this is I think it's really easy for us to think, okay, I need to rest. I have an off day. So either I'm going to sleep like you talked about because I'm I'm feeling run down or I'm just going to kind of binge Netflix and scroll on my phone and, and kind of zone out for a bit. Yeah. But most of us end up, you know, at the end of those days saying, well, I don't feel necessarily any better. And what you're describing is, well, okay, where we're trying to rest maybe the wrong things, we're not restoring the aspects of us that are needing restoring. And I think that's kind of a mindset shift. That's what I got so excited when I first heard you talk about this, because I thought that makes sense. We're trying to maybe pour into the wrong areas. And so, of course, we don't feel maybe any, any better. Yeah, I love the whole Netflix mindset because that's what so many people do. They think, okay, well, I have a day off. I'm gonna I'm gonna lounge on the couch and I'm gonna, you know, binge watch some show everybody's talking about. And and honestly, that could be restorative if it was actually pouring back into one of those areas that you needed. Mm. But for most of us, it's not. We're we're not physically needing to be still. You know, honestly, most of us probably need to be active more than being still to help with our back pain and all those other things. And if you're if the show you're watching is not inspiring you, you know, which might help with let's say spiritual rest or not motivating you or or is in no way birthing forth any kind of creativity in you, then it's probably just cessation of your normal activity. And, you know, just stopping work is not rest. And that's what we've equated rest with. I'm just going to stop my normal work. And we're going to call that rest. It's the same reason vacations don't work. You know, a vacation, you're stopping your normal work to do other work in a different location is what most of us do. <laughs> we go do fun <laughs> stuff away from our normal location, but we don't actually rest. Yeah. That's why we leave vacations and we're still tired. Hmm. Hmm. 
That's so good. Yeah, that is good. So what if, I mean, you describe a method conveniently called the REST method for prioritizing rest, right? So if I'm listening and I say, okay, I'm, I'm in, but how do I fit this into my schedule, right? I mean, I have to go to work. I have to come home, things like that. How do I prioritize rest? I mean, can you talk some about that method? Yeah, it really takes a look at the, um, it's a, it's a way of looking at how do I determine if I need, if, if I'm even having a problem in the first place. So the R is recognizing your risk. It's thinking about, you know, how am I using my energy in my day-to-day life? The E is evaluate your current position. And I actually created a, a quiz specifically for that at restquiz.com. It's a free personal rest assessment. So you can see what your scores are for each of the seven types of rest. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's kind of evaluate the S is science and the research kind of looking at how, kind of getting an understanding of how it works. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a, a science nerd, <laughs> going to be honest about it. I love so it. I'm, I love it. That's so good. I love it. <laughs> I, I like to be able to kind of understand it because just kind of knowing something exists doesn't satisfy my, my brain. So I want to understand a little bit more about the pieces of it. And so, and I think that helps um, as a physician, I think that helps patients too, because then it's not just, oh, well, you know, Dr. Dalton Smith said, it's like, oh, I get it. I can see how these things work together. Yeah. And then the T is today's application is just putting it into action because knowing you need to do something doesn't really help you. You have to know how can I apply it to my personal life? And that's why with each of the types of rest, you know, when I discuss them in sacred rest, what I do is give like three different things you can do. Because everybody's way of getting rest is going to look a little bit different. It's personalized. So, you know, one person may need to do yoga and that could stress the next person out. So everyone has to kind of look at how do I need to get restored in this particular area? Yeah. No, that's really good. I'm actually thinking, I, I partially wish I had taken the test before we started talking, but I think, Robert, I'm going to want to take it before we, when we record the intro. Um, yeah. And I'm actually a little nervous. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous about <laughs> <laughs> what the results would be, but that's good. Well, and, and you mentioned um, the, your quiz. We'll definitely have the link to that in the show notes and um, make sure we, we link, you know, all of these, these great resources that you have. So, and, and that quiz, so that'll help you to consider, you know, especially what type of rest you might be needing, it sounds like. Could you give some other tips or ideas for each type of rest for people who might be trying to figure out what it is exactly that they need or, but they, you know, they, they want to know how to get it or, you know, just like what types of tips or ideas would you give for folks for each of these types of rest? Well, for physical rest, one of the main areas that I find that most people need to think about is not just the sleeping and the napping, that part we kind of have gotten down, but it's the active physical rest. um, Physical rest is divided up into passive, which is the sleeping and the napping, and then active, which are things like stretches and yoga and leisure walking, you know, not where you're trying to burn calories necessarily, but you're just trying to get your circulation and your lymphatics moving. And so I think it's very important, particularly if you're working any kind of job where you are uh, sitting for long periods of time to think about that, you know, yes, you need to do cardiovascular exercise, but so many people need to just start moving period. 
So mm. just to get the body in action so that you're loosening up the muscles and you're getting blood flow to those areas that you may not be receiving. Um, with the mental rest, uh, one big thing that tends to help a lot of people, if you're going to sleep at night and you notice that you can't get your head to shut up, you know, you're ruminating over different things that need to be done the next day. Maybe you're running through your to-do list for the next day or something to to do what we call a brain dump and just kind of writing some of that down, not trying to keep it in your head, but actually releasing it on a piece of paper so that your head doesn't try to hold on to the information all night long, that it can let it go long enough for you to go into some deeper levels of sleep. Mm, that's good. With spiritual rest, one big component is pulling away the concept between religion and relationship. Um, because spiritual rest requires you to have kind of a, a feeling of belonging. And so if your your spiritual concept is more about rituals and and religion and legalism and law, then it's it's hard to have that sense of belonging because you always feel like you're on the outside of the process. And so for many people, it it starts with kind of having that that relationship component to spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes if I'm talking to, uh, let's say, a group of youth or a group of teens, and this is a concept they've never even thought about before. I had them start with, if God, if God texts you today, what would you need him to say for you to feel good about who you are in the world? Oh my gosh, that's and so, so just good. And so a lot of God would speak to me. You know? For some of them is like, I mean, it's so far outside of what they've ever considered that just that thought process kind of gets their mind open to the possibilities. And what I have them do is I have them text it to themselves. And I tell them, you know, when you get to that point where you feel like, you know, I I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what is it you need him to say, text it to yourself and then have that be what you are meditating on. Something that is positive, uplifting and affirming so that you because your mind's automatically wanting to go to the negative anyway. I mean, it, it runs down that negative rabbit hole very quickly with very little help. And so give it something else to hold on to. And it doesn't have to be a scripture memorization. What is it you need to hear in that moment? And then, you know, you it opens up the door for you to be able to start having conversations with others once you start recognizing where you're needing that feeling of belonging and validation. Oh, that is good. That's good. Um, as far as the emotional rest aspect and social, I'll do those two together because they, they really both require people to some degree, is to make sure that you have those, first of all, that you make sure you, you're thinking about how people affect you. There are some people that automatically pull you down with them. And um, if you recognize that someone's having that res- that effect on you, it could be a coworker, it could be someone in your family. But you notice every time you're around them, when you leave, you feel drained or you feel depleted in some way. It doesn't mean you go avoiding that person. That might be your spouse for that matter. So it doesn't mean you go avoiding them. (laughs) But it does mean that when you have to spend excessive amounts of time with them, that you make an effort to get around someone who has the opposite effect. Even if that's a Hmm. phone call or I like to have people do FaceTime and Skype. Because the research shows that being able to see someone, that there's a power in presence, 
So being able to see their facial expressions and their body movements actually helps with the connection and with that feeling of being understood and that emotional and social rest component. Yeah, Mm, that's good. And then uh, with sensory, one of the easy things is just learning to reappreciate silence and darkness. Um, They're both free. So (laughs) we don't do enough of either one. And so some people who have just very toxic households or even very toxic workplaces, sensory wise, lots of noise, lots of light, or they work at a computer all day or something. Um, I have them just start practicing before going to bed at night, turning off all the lights in their bedroom, no sound at all, and just sitting there in silence and darkness for about five minutes just to let their body kind of detox. Mm. Um, You know, some large cities have those sensory deprivation tanks, and I do think that they're fantastic, but you don't even have to go to that extreme. (laughs) Um, You can just start with just kind of in your own bedroom, start learning to, to get back into an appreciation of that. What I love about a lot of these tips is they are kind of possible small tips that you could do in your everyday life, right? It's not go research a sensory deprivation tank and pay money. You know, I think the last time I I heard you talk about some of this, one idea that you said for the sensory rest was, you know, if you work at a computer and there's a wall behind you, turn your chair around and kind of (laughs) look, look at the wall for five minutes or, you know, kind of just sit in that direction for five minutes at some point in the day, just to give yourself a five minute break from the sensory and like that's so simple that people could do that right now. Well, maybe not right now if they're driving or something, right? right? But like that's, these these are all such manageable tips Mm -hmm. as opposed to go on a giant vacation. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the thing. You you don't want it to be so difficult that you can't do it day to day because the thing is you're going to get stressed every day. (laughs) Every day you're going to have those opportunities for the muscle tension, for all of the things that, that go on that cause us to have the increased stress and lead us to burnout. Mm-hmm. So if, instead of waiting, you know, for three times a year to take some massive vacation that, as we mentioned, probably not going to make you feel any more rested. Mm-hmm. I prefer that people live a lifestyle of rest where they're actively doing some of these things on a regular basis, you know, because, and the, the last one, before I forget the sensory rest, uh, the creative rest, the, the number one thing I have people do with that is really what is beautiful to you. What motivates you and encourages you? And so that could be just putting a picture of water, of the ocean or the beach Mm. um, on your computer screen or even on, you know, a picture that you're keeping in your office. Something just to remind you of beauty, Um, fresh flowers in your home. There's so many different ways to kind of introduce these things without having to take a vacation so that you're constantly living a lifestyle of rest and not just waiting, you know, waiting till you get completely burned out before you then start doing something. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. I feel so affirmed right now because my the background of my computer is the beach that I was talking about earlier with a picture of my daughter awesome. looking at the water. So I love that. That's awesome. And we've we've talked before on this show some about I've started like on my drive home instead of listening to podcasts or things, sometimes I'll put on like instrumental music instead. And that partially at least came from hearing you talk about this creative rest and thinking, hey, I, you know what? I really love music. That was my, my you know, my first degree. 
and I don't listen to a lot of like really beautiful, creative music anymore. Usually it's just, you know, whatever's on the radio, which isn't bad. You know, I'm not saying that, but using that space instead of, okay, I need to listen to another podcast or things like that. That's, that's good sometimes, but sometimes I need to listen to big, inspiring, like instrumental music because that does something different to me than, you know, whatever happens to be on the radio or a podcast. And again, that's like a, a small shift that I can make on my way home that isn't, you know, this big life change that needs all sorts of time or money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the great thing about it. Um, you know, one thing that I think is hard for people when they first start this process is oftentimes we kind of have, we already have in our head what we think rest should look like. And so it's a bit of a mindset shift to know that there are different ways to get rest. Um, and so knowing that, you know, no one can define what's restful to you and for you, except for you, because you're the only one who knows where you're really feeling depleted at. Mm. And so I think it's great to be able to, to, to know, you know, on this day, I feel, you know, I'm feeling great. I feel well rested. I'm going to listen to a podcast or to talk radio or whatever it is on the drive home. And then on another day where you may have used a lot of energy in a creative aspect with working with people that, okay, I need to be poured back into through the music rather than the listening to a conversation and allowing yourself the freedom to choose which one you need at the time. Yeah, Yeah. that's really good. Yeah. And, you know, Robert and I, as you mentioned, like we have had great conversations kind of about this and what, you know, for each of us, the unique little ways in which we're trying to make these these tiny adjustments. But I mean, in, in all honesty and transparency, I have found that there are seasons in which I, I remember and I get it and I prioritize, you know, many of these various forms of rest and that there are other seasons where it almost kind of creeps up on me where I, without paying close enough attention, there are ways in which these old habits and patterns begin to creep in. So Something I'm actually really curious about is, you know, just knowing all of the different things that that you do. Well, I mean, from your bio, from your fancy bio and from, you know, knowing the, the good work that you do as a doctor and as an author and as a speaker and, you know, serving on podcasts and, and in these spaces, is there in all humility, I'm, I'm curious, like, how, how do you sustain this? And, and genuinely, again, this is coming out of a personal curiosity, because I feel like I am constantly like I get it and then it slips and then I like have to pick myself up and do it again. And then, you know, yeah, it's hard to sustain for me. Yeah. How has that worked for you? Yeah, it is hard to sustain um, or it was, I should say, really hard to sustain Mm -hmm. when I first kind of got the concepts down, (laughs) the first few years of getting this concept down. Okay, there's these seven types of rest that I need, and kind of learning where I need to focus my attention on getting rest. Mm-hmm. What I found for me are there are some that there really are two to three out of the seven that I struggled the most with. You know, there's mm-hmm. four that seem to be very easy for me to get without even really thinking about it. And then there's about three, two particular <laughs> that are really difficult for me to get on a consistent basis. And so because I, I now can realize that, that those are areas where I have difficulty, I pay more attention to making sure I get rest in those areas. I'm extremely mindful of when I'm feeling tired. Those are the very first two things that I check to see, 
Am I getting adequate social rest? Am I getting adequate emotional rest? Because those are the two that I struggle with. I'm with people mm. all the time, yeah. <laughs> whether it's my medical practice or my family or speaking yeah. or, you know, doing media. I'm with people all the time, but I'm pouring out in all of those instances. So all of those instances I'm giving and I'm not receiving. And so I tend to get depleted in that area. So I have to be very intentional about making sure that I am making room for people in my life that are life-giving, that are pouring back into me, that have no agenda. They don't want anything from me. You know, <laughs> they're not asking for anything. They just, they're just people that I can be very open and honest with where I'm at. And they're also the people who will kind of help me to re- recognize when I need to pull back a little bit or when I'm kind of overextending myself. And so that's been a huge one for me, um, just being being real honest with myself about where are my core rest deficits and asking people for help sometimes. Um, my husband is one of the first people who will say, um, you know, this is a little much. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. okay, that, that's a great speaking opportunity, but it may not be the best thing for this year. You've already got five events, you know, going on that month and that would have you in the sixth state for the month. And, you know, I I don't know if that's a great idea. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't dictate, he doesn't tell me, no, you can't do that or anything like that. But it's more of a, you know, you know, take a step back and take a look at it. Yes. You really feel good about it. Or if you're just kind of going into the, the emotional unrest of, kind of, I don't want to let anybody down is kind of the people pleaser in me that doesn't want to say no. But there are some no's that need to be said, because they are really for your own benefit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I love all of that. So first, I love your uh, willingness and your ability to make this more feasible that it's like, you know, not necessarily that we're going to tackle all seven different types of rest all at once. Um, but to pay attention to what are the ones that you maybe struggle with the most or just pick maybe one or two at a time to focus on and make adjustments. I think that that definitely sounds like a great way to help sustain, you know, uh, these various types of rest when we kind of can work on one or two at a time maybe. But um, but the other thing I love is that hearing you say that, uh, you know, about your husband. So I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know what you identify with. And you I'm a three. Oh, you are a three. Oh, I love it. So both Robert and I, we've talked on the show about how we identify with type two. So some of this is very, it just resonates very much for us too. Um, but my husband identifies as a type nine. Um, and he is great at exactly what you were saying your husband does where he'll just be like, Hey honey, like, yeah, can we pay attention to maybe little areas that we can slow down in and, and reminding me the value of slowing down and, um, and resting. And it's such a gift having that voice, that trusted voice, um, you know, in our lives. So I'm so glad that he's able to do that for you too. So. Oh, it's definitely a gift because, you know, um, my personality is go, go, go. <laughs> so. Yeah. I need that person to kind of say, you know, stop long enough. And even though, you know, I'm I'm very mindful of my rest of now and, and of making sure I'm getting rest, uh, I think something that's important for, for other kind of type threes who are goal-oriented, you know, getting a lifestyle of or learning how to live a lifestyle of rest mm-hmm. doesn't take away your core 
behavior. I mean, you're still going to be a type three, you're still going to be goal oriented, and have that kind of let's get stuff done mindset. But what I found personally, is that when I do work now, I find so much more satisfaction in it. Because I'm not just grinding the work out, which is what a lot of type threes do. And a lot of people who just kind of have that um, kind of goal oriented mindset, you're not just grinding the work out, you're actually producing higher quality work that you love mm-hmm. because you're doing it from a place of rest rather than a place of, of just kind of overwhelm. Oh my gosh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And the same is so true. I've heard Suzanne Stabile talk about that very same thing for twos. And it's probably true for each of the numbers that when you are like, it's such a much more genuine, authentic, um, it's such a much more valuable gift that we offer when we are coming from that place of rest and caring for ourselves and um, intending to ourselves in those ways that are healthy. So that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, do we really want to pour out from our emptiness? Yeah. I mean, that's where so many, so many of us are, are functioning. We're, we're giving good things to the world, but we're giving it out of our emptiness. Mm-hmm. So can it really be our best? And that was a hard realization for me. You know, I've, I'd written two other books and done a lot of stuff before I wrote this book. And now when I go back and honestly, I read some of my first work I'm thankful for publishers that let me go back and get a second chance at it, you know, to do an mm, update because yeah. I, I can really see where I, I was giving the best I had out of my emptiness, hmm. but it was not my best. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And I think even that idea of that, that we'll be able to do what it is we're trying to do better potentially helps release some of that, you know, maybe the tendency to associate resting or self-care, those things with kind of selfishness, right? Like I should be doing mm-hmm. more if you're in a helping profession mm-hmm. or ministry or something like that. But to to kind of reframe it as, hey, when I'm healthy, I can do that thing that I feel like I've been called to do. I can do that better. And so it's not selfish to step away and make sure that I'm resting in all these areas. It's It's really more maybe in line with the the calling or more faithful or, you know, what, however you want to describe it, but it's better for that aspect anyway. Yeah. I think that's Absolutely. so good. And it's huge for ministers because they are, you know, really pouring out a lot in that emotional and social aspect and working with people all the time. And so I find that with ministers that, and those who are working in uh, ministry, there is a huge, usually emotional and social rest deficit and like I said, they is a concept they haven't even thought about because they're with people so much that the concept that getting around different people. So it's not isolation, which is what people think social rest is. It's actually who are the people that are pouring into you? Because in ministry, you're pouring out to people all the time. But who is pouring into you? Yeah, no, that's yeah. really good. That's yeah. so good. Well, hey, if you want to connect with Holly, you can find her on Twitter at Holly Oxhandler or at hollyoxhandler.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on any social media at Robert Vore or at robert-vore.com. If you want to connect further with Dr. Dalton Smith, you can find her on Twitter at Dr. Dalton Smith, her Facebook page, her Instagram, Pinterest. We'll have links to all those. Or you can buy this book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Wherever you buy books, we'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Dr. Dalton Smith, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and, and sharing with us. I really, I mean, I when I first heard a podcast episode that you were on, I loved it and got this. I was so excited. I sent that episode to Holly in a text yeah. message and 
yeah. at least one other friend and then went to your website as soon as I got home and like sent you the message and said, hey, we'd love to have you on. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, Thanks, Robert and Holly. It's been a pleasure. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners today? Uh, absolutely. I think the number one thing I would have people just be mindful of is just that concept that rest equals restoration. I think once that gets solidified in your head that I'm not going to start calling anything rest, just sitting around, laying around. If it's not specifically restoring one of those seven types of rest, then we can't call it rest. It should equal restoration in one of those seven areas. That's so good. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Dalton Smith. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com.